0: Hello and welcome to our London History Podcast, where we share our love of London, its people, places and history. This podcast is designed for you to learn things about London that most Londoners don't even know, all in 20 minutes. I am your host, Hazel Baker, Qualified London Tour Guide and CEO of LondonGuidedWalks.co.uk. Our walking tours are for those who love London and want to make the most of their time here, No matter whether it's for a weekend or a lifetime, we aim to deliver insightful and well-prepared London Guided Walks with enthusiasm and professionalism. And in this podcast, we try to do the same. If you enjoy what we do, then please rate and review. You can become a patron for as little as £5, and that's where we share additional videos of the interviews with you, plus lots of other unique content. Get that cup of tea, but this time you may want to leave out the sugar. For today, we are talking about Georgian dentistry in London. And to help me fill in the gaps, (laughs) ha, we have Sarah Murden, who is an 18th century historian, genealogist and host of a fabulous blog called All Things Georgian, and that looks at all aspects of life during that period. She also has co-authored five books about the 18th century, written for pen and sword books. So, hello, Sarah.
1: Hi, Hazel. Thank you for inviting me. This is lovely. <laughs> it's a gruesome
0: topic, isn't it, we're going to look at? It is, isn't it? Dentist. It's, it's a funny one, because you don't really think about your teeth until something's wrong, do you? Yes. My research
1: into this actually came about whilst cleaning my teeth. Um, it was one of those things that you sort of... I'd, I'd sort of I'd looked at 18th century makeup and clothes and fashion and hats and wigs. And I was cleaning my teeth I thought, hmm, teeth. I wonder how the how the 18th century people actually clean their teeth. And did they clean their teeth? And what what about dentists? Did dentists exist? And that Sent me off down a rabbit hole trying to find out
0: even more about it. Well, you know, inspiration strikes at the oddest times, doesn't it? Exactly. When you went down this rabbit hole, what did you find? What about the the history in in general and dentistry? As I said, it's a gruesome topic.
1: I think up until about the early sort of seventeen twenties, so a long time ago. It was very much sort of the the domain of either DIY for teeth extraction, or you could go to the local barber; they would remove your tooth, or um, you know, just perhaps give you something to ease the pain a little. Um, but it was largely it was homemade remedy type things. But it was a Frenchman, a chap called Pierre Fouchard, who actually studied. The, he, he studied the anatomy of the mouth. Um, and looked at the actual teeth, looked at the construction of the teeth and he started to write documents and I think wrote a a thesis on you know this is what we're doing wrong, this is what we should be doing, this is how to look after the teeth better. I think some of that had come about because we were sort of falling in love with sugar and the teeth consequently were rotting very very quickly. And so I think I don't know what spurred him on to, to to write about it, but you know I think I suspect the fact that you know so many people walking around either in pain or with no teeth at all that he thought probably <laughs> there's got to be a better way than this to to manage dental care. Um, but he he was sort of one of the first people, if not the first person, to discover that um, acidic foods like lemons, limes. Um, were actually causing erosion of the teeth, you know, the enamel. Something that we know today, we know, you know, we know if you sort of suck on a lemon for too long, it's not going to do your teeth much good. Um, he obviously he knew that sugar uh, wasn't going to be good for the teeth, um, but he did, however, recommend cleaning of the teeth with with human urine. Which <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. No, I know. Neither was I. I was like, "No, that can't be right." So carried on reading about it. And it. It is. It is right. And that actually that does date right back to the Roman times. Really? Yeah, because it contains urine, contains ammonia, and so actually, it today we 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 go and buy one of these um, teeth whitening um, toothpastes, or or you know, like the stars do where they go and have their teeth all professionally whitened for that gleaming smile um well apparently ammonia used to work equally as well <laughs> but i really really wouldn't recommend it but they use it like a, a mouth mouthwash then they could use it as a mouthwash or um at that stage as i understand it uh certainly in the early 1720s people used um just a cloth so they'd dip the cloth in the urine and then clean their teeth that way whether they swallowed or spat I really don't
0: (laughs) you don't write about cleaning your teeth do you no you know (laughs) it's just one of those things every day that you do and you assume that everybody does it the same way as you so
1: absolutely and I I read somewhere and and I have to admit it was my own thought that when you look at 18th century portrait painting you don't Mm -hmm. see teeth you don't see anybody with that big smile do you and I and I did wonder then whether that was actually because they either hadn't got any teeth or because their teeth were really rotten Mm -hmm. but I've been sort of assured that no the reality was that you sat for a portrait over hours and hours and hours and the idea of having that Cheshire cat grin is something you couldn't hold in place for that long I half think it's a combination of both but then if everybody, I suppose the, the argument is if everybody had bad teeth then really you weren't going to look any worse than the next person from the point of view of having your portrait painted. So I don't i don't know which is fact and which is, is fiction really. But I did, did read in um, around some sort of Spitalfields area, there was some research, some excavation work done. I'm not quite sure when it was, you perhaps know more than I do. Um, But the bodies that were dug up, um, ones that were between sort of 1700s and 1800s, 80% Mm -hmm. of the people had cavities in their teeth. So it gives you some idea of just how rotten the the people's teeth were at that time. And when you London produced... a document that used to go in the paper newspapers regularly and in journals and things that actually talked about the mortality rates um, but say you've got twelve thousand people that died a good sort of forty percent died, and it just says dental against the de- cause of death there were there would be a few with 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 cancer, there would be a few that were accidental, there were a few that took their own lives there's a really high percentage of people that were actually dying from dental. So I, th- I suspect that if you think about it, the eating of sugar and sweet stuff was going to rot their teeth. The lack of dental, of proper, what we would call dental care today, mm-hmm. um, the teeth would just rot. And also you've got to bear in mind that the when they did start using something akin to the dental tools that we use today they um weren't sterilized you know we we put so much stress today on the hygiene you know we we went through a phase of having an autoclave where we you know all the metal dental tools went in and they were sterilized on an overnight process so that you knew the next day that You know, these tools that were going into your mouth were going to be clean. As soon as you'd been treated, those tools were taken away into the autoclave and they wouldn't be used till the next day or whatever their process was. And now we're into uh, disposable uh, equipment because, you know, we can't take any risks. You know, you think about it in the 70s and 80s, you've got the risk of, of HIV. And so that kind of was starting to change the way in which Dentistry, or modern dentistry, in our in our lifetime has changed. Um, so, if you think back to the 1700s and 1800s, hygiene was really poor anyway, um, and most people perhaps would sort of you know have a, a superficial wash of their face and their hands, and that would be about it. And um, dent, dental treatment, open wide, and in went the tool, and they would just remove the offending tooth without. They wouldn't have any sedation was another thing. So it was a case of, um, you know, perhaps something like gin or they did have opium, but that would be the sort of, you know, that would be the closest thing to a form of anaesthesia that existed. So, you know, if you wanted any form of pain relief, then that, and laudanum was around as well. So, which was just not, would basically knock you out. But I came across um, a letter written by Queen Charlotte, George III's wife, to um, what would become Prince. Prince George became George the Fourth, um, and it was a it was a letter about all different family things. But in it, she actually put that um, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't been in touch earlier. Um, I've not been feeling very well. I've had three hours dental care or dental treatment. Can you imagine sitting there for three hours? So, whatever it was, it, she, I, I frantically sort of tried to find further letters to, uh, you know, before to say she was having it done or after to say what she'd had, but I didn't find anything. But um, I can't imagine many procedures today other than major dental surgery, um, you know, like some say a, a full extraction that would warrant that length of time. Sitting there, having your teeth pulled and fixed, etc. It was pretty, yeah, pretty gruesome stuff, really. And Unhi- so we, so we've got cleaning with urine. We've got the fact that the the tools are unhygienic and not clean and, and not sterilized in any way. We've got the pain of having it done. It was pretty awful, really. Came across one chap though who um, opted for the DIY method, and he got a piece of cat guts. And tied it around the offending tooth. Um, put a bullet on the other end of the the, the piece of cat gun. so He's got one bit attached to the tooth, one bit attached mm-hmm. to the, the with a the bullet round it. Put the bullet into the gun, loaded that with powder, fired it, and out flew the tooth. I've no idea whether that's true or not, but it was reported. So I'm kind of, you know, unless it was one of these sensationalist newspapers. Today, think it was really then I I can kind of imagine if you think about if you're in so much pain you're kind of going to do anything
0: really aren't you to relieve that so it's all pretty gruesome stuff so if you're a regular person and if you weren't going to go the DIY route you wanted to maybe do it have it done properly and go spend a little bit of money and go to the 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 barbers to to get it done there and if you were a Mm -hmm. little bit higher up in society then then where would you go, or would a dentist or someone come to you? If you're a royalty or nobility,
1: you wouldn't go; they would come to you. Um, and we've got uh, we've got evidence of the the royal dentists at various times, um, and they would go. They would take their own um, dental kit with them, so to speak. Um, but equally, they would. Um, being royalty you would probably actually have your own dental kit and I have come across uh examples you know where you'd have like a little box with all your mm-hmm. dental the dental tools in so you know they weren't going to use just anybody have anybody's uh dental equipment in their mouth but you would have I mean they were not cheap though they really weren't um but we have um we have a variety of uh, royal dentists. And um, the one thing you do notice is that people would would train with these dentists. And then one of my big passions are the 18th century trade cards, uh, like oh, a yeah. modern day business card. So you'd come across trade cards for people and it would say, trained by um, Thomas Birdmore, uh, by royal appointment to King George III, and people like that. Um, and Birdmore was, um, where was he? He was Margaret Court in Westminster mm-hmm, was where mm-hmm. he was based. But obviously, if the court summoned him, then he was going to go to the court. But, of course, they would have um, the nobility visiting anyway um, that you know, would perhaps go to them. The lower down you were, the more you would actually go to, to their place of work. Um mm-hmm. there were a lot of dentists though that sort of did their training in London and then uh would live in London, but then advertising the newspapers to say uh, I will be visiting Bath you know perhaps during the the sort of season um should you wish to have an appointment with me then i you know you, you can catch me at this address sort of thing so they they knew where the nobility went for the seasons. And mm-hmm. they would make a point of advertising the fact that, you know, if you want to be treated, I'm going to be there. So come and see me. Oh, that's good business. So they, were kind of, yeah. they were quite cunning. And, and another one, they were good sales reps as well. Mm-hmm. That's one thing you, you do see a lot of are their um, adverts in the newspapers saying, uh, I, I don't just fix teeth. Uh, I'm also a chiropodist. I so hope they didn't get those two mixed up. Um, and were we calling them dentists at the time? No, we called them operators of teeth. Ooh, That's what they were known as. It's quite posh, actually, isn't it? An opera- I'm an operator of teeth. That sounds so much better. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, tools. Oh, goodness me. I mean, they, they had all the tools, actually had all the, a lot of the tools that we still use today. Um, but my favourite one of all, um, if we're kind of going for really gross, would have to be the dental key. The nearest thing I can describe it as is a, a very basic corkscrew, you know, you pull out a bottle, a cork out with. Um, basically, you, you would screw the key into the tooth and then pull it's just an absolute horror show, really. But, you know, I'm guessing the fact that somebody invented it, it, they obviously thought it was going to work, and it probably did. I can only imagine what it must have been like with no anaesthetics and trying to remain in that position as Queen Charlotte did for, like, three hours at a time. It's been horrendous. But toothbrushes, that was another, that's another story in itself. William Addis was uh, from Clerkenwell. And around the sort of, the story goes that around the sort of 1770s, he was involved in a riot, found himself in jail. Whilst he was in jail, he was thinking about, about his, he wanted to clean his teeth or something. Mm-hmm. And so he um, managed to find a piece of bone from, left from the, the food that they were eating or that they were being given in prison. And he sort of fashioned that somehow into like a handle. Um, and then managed to get some bristles from one of the yard brushes from one of the guards and put those some I, I don't understand quite how he managed to do all this but he, he apparently put these bristles into the end of this bone mm-hmm. and hey presto you have a toothbrush when you start to look back at adverts um back in the 1750s there were brushes for teeth for se on and they would cost sixpence, which is not not a lot even. It's not a lot even then. I think he, I think now it's about three pounds in modern money. So it's not you know they weren't a prohibitive price, and that makes me think that some of this was a great marketing tool by William Addis at the time. And then they had things like gum opiate, which I'm thinking was probably something um, that they would. Uh, have used to for for toothache, perhaps for children to to rub it on the gums when they were teething. So there were lots of sort of there was a lot of progress made from going back from sort of Pierre Fouchard in sort of 1720s, um, you know, really up to today. Um, you know, you could have implants. You could have the, some of the tools were the same. Um, they the, they had ways of of using an anesthetic, albeit not something that we would think was at all appropriate today. Um, you know, so in in some respects we've not moved on very far. In other respects, we've come a long, long way in terms of the hygiene and the the pain relief and things. And the other thing I must point out is female dentists. Um, Mrs. Catherine Madden. She was at West Smithfields in the seventeen nineties. Mrs. Lewis and husband, but it's in her name, from Bath, they would travel to London where they would be at Miss Hardwick's Muffin and Lace Warehouse on Marylebone Street. So they were advertising for their clients to, we're going to be in London, come and see us. And then we've got Mrs. de St. Raymond at Nine King Square Court in Soho. And Mrs. Hunter on Great Titchfield Street, she was a dentist and a beautician. How cool is that? So you're going to be beautified and have your teeth done at the same time. She specialised in women's and children's dentistry um, because she recognised that, um, that perhaps the pain threshold and the way that you wanted to be treated was different between men and women and obviously for children So and she had a fixed price tariff for women and children. I came across I think it was was Catherine Madden's uh, business card Um, because I do have this sort of penchant for going back looking at business cards, and that's often how the blog posts, some of the blog posts, come about. Um, And others just focus Mm -hmm. trade cards because I love them because they're not like our sort of boring business card. Here's my card. They would be you know very detailed and uh, very creatively uh, drawn. And Catherine Madden's was one that jumped out. And I thought, oh, wonder whether there were any other female dentists, and sure enough, there were quite a few. So yes, so that's kind of a, a very very quick run through dentistry.
0: Wow. Well, I think uh, everybody will be, uh, as you said, getting up now and going to to clean their teeth just for be sure. <laughs> Well, Sarah, thank you so much. That's absolutely fascinating. You've got me going now and I'll probably find my own rabbit hole to jump down. (laughs) You can find the link to Sarah's All Things Georgian blog on our show notes, as well as links to her books as well. Hope you've enjoyed this one. I'll see you next time.